What's up, everyone? This is episode number 91 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. And as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast. My Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. Well, I want to start off with a happy Thanksgiving to all of you. And there are a number of things that I'm thankful for today. And of course, there are the usual things like health and friends and family, although we never want to take any of those things for granted, especially in 2020. I'm thankful for you listening to this show and those that choose to support me in some way, be it a quick message to the inbox, an iTunes review, or buying through my Fanatics link. All forms of support are appreciated. I'm also very thankful today that the Hornets gave Gordon Hayward $120 million, so all of those Pacers rumors could be put to rest for now. And I'll be honest, I was kind of bracing myself for Miles Turner to get traded at some point during the week, which I wasn't happy about at all. I'm a big Miles fan. Uh, Losing him for Hayward would have been a double whammy because Hayward is just another injury waiting to happen for me. And I've seen enough wings get hurt here. I don't want to go through that again. Now, do I think Charlotte spending $120 million on him is insane? Absolutely. But they had some money to spend. It reminded me a lot of collectors and investors when they know they have some PayPal build up. Maybe the Hornets just had a lot of PayPal that they were itching to use. Who knows? Okay, uh, let's talk about some hobby happenings. On last week's episode, I discussed the BGS slab scandal. And for those of you that haven't heard about that, first off, you can go listen to episode 90. But um, basically, the hobby community found a few examples of what appear to be counterfeit BGS slabs. And in response, Beckett refused to help identify those fakes for the time being, and instead cautioned customers to look closely and buy wisely. Now, I encouraged anyone that was frustrated by that to reach out to Beckett and to let them know. And to be honest, based on the little response I received, I'm under the impression that not much of that happened. I I mentioned it before, but I think a lot of people are just becoming completely desensitized to any sort of wrongdoing in the hobby. And I know that not everything can be stopped, but when you have a big grading company that could implement some simple changes to discourage this kind of stuff, and it seems like they're doing nothing about it, that should be concerning. And they probably are working on some sort of solution, but telling us to buy wisely while we wait for safeguards that should have already been in place, well, that's a bit of a slap to the face. Um, So once again, if this does concern you, I encourage you to take action. Let Beckett know. Their email is grading at Beckett.com. Once again, that's grading at Beckett.com. In the meantime, it looks like another counterfeit Luca Prism Silver slab emerged. Personally, if I owned a BGS Luca Silver, I think I'd be paying attention to this. If nothing else, if you own a good slab, um, I guess you could use it as leverage in a potential deal down the road. You know, I don't own any Luca Silvers, but I will be keeping an eye on the situation still because I think it's a big deal for the hobby. Speaking of counterfeit cards, 
I've got another fraud-related headline for you, and I, I know I'm hitting on a lot of counterfeited stuff right now, and I, I don't want you to get down on the hobby just because of that. You know, I'll, I'll hear a lot of people say, well, oh, there's just so much fakes, you know, it's just getting me down. I, I don't want you to feel that way. In fact, I talk plenty about the things that I really like in the hobby, the things that I think are going well in the hobby, so just remember those things. But I think right now you need to know about some of this other stuff so you can stay away from it. So there was a thread on the blowout forum started by a poster named Roger Maris, and his real name is Brendan. Um, I referred to him on here before. He's been a very valuable asset to the hobby already, especially when it comes to rare serial numbered 90s stuff. Uh, But this thread was about modern Panini autographs, or I should say forged autographs, that an account has been selling on eBay. And these examples are particularly concerning because they have actual Panini stickers on the cards, and they have some text on the back that appears to certify the autos. Now, this is actually an instance where looking closely and buying wisely will help you to differentiate the real from the fake stuff. My guess is that whoever's doing this has been taking worthless autographs, wiping off the stickers, um, and then forging the autographs on the Panini stickers. But just like the BGS slabs, though, there are some tells to watch out for. I suggest checking out the blowout thread in the basketball forum because there are several pictures there that should help you out. Um, Don't let yourself get cheated, right? (laughs) I don't like who I sounded like there, but uh, the message is the same. Don't let yourself get cheated. Okay, my final headline is not so much a headline but more of a continuation of the commentary that I've tried to provide on some of my local card show adventures. And as some of you might have guessed, there's no shortage of card shows in the state of Florida right now. And they were pretty evenly distributed over the last couple of months, but some of them are starting to overlap. And on top of that, we have a few bigger shows forming across the country, most notably the Dallas show that I opened with last week. Well, because of that, there are less people traveling long distances to come to Florida shows, and it seems a little less chaotic, though still busy. Saturday, I set up with a friend at a 100-table show. I only bought four cards, which I already showed those off on social media. Um, And when I have any sort of inventory with me, I, I generally don't get to do a lot of buying. But it does give me a chance to talk with a lot of people and to watch how people interact with one another. So um, before we get to our main segment today, I've got five little takeaways that I'd like to share with you guys, um, just that I've noticed just at the show. So number one, there's still a lot of shiny stuff at every table, as expected. I didn't see any miner's headlamps this time, but if something wasn't slabbed, you could expect that it would get fondled and viewed in the light at a hundred different angles. Even with the logjam and grading right now, people are still very much in that mindset. And I don't know um, if that's going to change anytime soon. Personally, I don't think it is. I think people are just getting used to the logjam. They're just factoring it in. Um, and they're, they're just realizing, you know, that's what it's going to take. So as long as their model still works for them and they can adjust for that time and they can adjust those costs, you know, I think people are really settling into that. Uh, Number two, I met someone that had a Giannis RPA for sale, 
and um, you know, it's nice talking to them. I asked them, hey, you know, can I take a picture of this? I told them that I had a tracker, and they were more than willing to let me do that, but they didn't know about the tracker, um, which kind I I don't know. I guess it kind of surprised me because I have heard people talking about it before. I know my reach only extends so far, but it's pretty incredible to me that these are still changing hands and people don't know about this website that I built to track these cards. And look, I want to remind everyone the tracker only lists the information that I've been able to find online, so it can't protect a buyer from everything, but it is a good starting point. So, you know, if you're out there, if you are buying and selling these types of cards, you know, you might take a look at that tracker um, just to see what you've got. Also, if you've got information that's not on there, please shoot that my way and I'll try and update it as soon as I can. Number three. Number three is an extension of, um, of that point, okay, that, that not everyone is as plugged in about certain things as I had thought maybe. And I was talking with another collector at this show about his Leaf card. He had this Leaf memorabilia card, really nice looking card, and he asked me if all Leaf products were game used. And we talked about that, and then he followed that up with, well, if it wasn't a real patch, then Beckett wouldn't slab it, right? Um, now the tone of this conversation was very friendly, so I don't want anyone to take my reply the wrong way. We were kind of joking back and forth, but I said, it was that a rhetorical question? And then how much time do you have to chat right now? Because this, this was all a reminder to me that this hobby has a steep learning curve and not everyone is super plugged into the ins and outs every day. Um, you know, I, I know I'm kind of immersed into it with the podcast and I get people messaging me all the time and I love it. Right. So I've chosen that. Um, but it, it was also a reminder to me that, you know, a lot of people are putting a lot of trust in the companies at the top. Um, and just having that conversation, I think we both walked away having learned something or being reminded of something. Uh, number four, this is something that I've heard several times at a show now, and uh, I don't think I addressed it the last time, but I've had a couple customers say to me, are you really going to say no over $10? Or are you really going to stop this sale over $10? And my response back to them is, is usually always the same thing. Are you really going to say no over $10? Um, because it takes two to tango. So just know if you're a customer at a card show, don't be this guy. Recognize that you're the person inquiring about the card and you don't own anything before a purchase has been finalized. Okay, It's, it's always funny to me. They'll say, are you going to stop this over $10? Well, we're both $10 apart. So <laughs> just keep that in mind. Um, and then finally, number five, my last card show observation for the week uh, my table was back in a corner, and it felt like I was trapped on both sides by unopened retail card displays. And I'm not talking guys that have a few blasters at their table. Look, I get that. Um, I'm talking complete retail trays with um, not a single empty spot in them. In fact, one of the guys by me had several unopened cases with the Target logo on the side of them, just in case he needed them. Um, well, he definitely didn't need them, and here's why. Despite the fact that none of this stuff is selling at their prices, um, and I mean that, 
I don't think I saw a single bit of unopened retail basketball moving. But uh, despite the fact that it's not moving, all of these guys are in a stalemate of greed. Not a single person is lowering their retail to a reasonable range. It's like they all want to rise and fall together. And it's almost as if every person that walks around that show and sees table upon table of mosaic and chronicles and illusions junk from people trying to lick their wounds, it's almost as if, hey, maybe those people realize it's not worth paying grossly inflated prices for some of this unopened wax. And I know what part of this new narrative is. I've heard people say it. Hey, they think that you know coronavirus is going to cause a shutdown in Texas again and Panini will stop printing new stuff. You know, I don't know. I don't have any comment on that. Um, but what I would say to these people is, look, keep buying your retail stuff. Feel free to mark it up two times, three times, whatever allows you to make the whole thing worth your while. But stop trying to be greedy by trying to get four times and five times and sometimes even six times what it originally cost on the shelf. All right. Well, with all of that being said, I had a great time. Um, Any day you get to dig through bins of cards and talk about cards with people is a good day. So thanks to everyone that helped make that happen. And I even raised some funds for a card that I purchased earlier in the week, which makes for a great segue to a couple of mail days. So let's talk about that purchase. Let's jump right in. Um, I've talked about it some before on here, but one of my collection focuses is NBA Finals memorabilia. It doesn't matter what team. It doesn't matter what year. I've gotten stuff from pretty much all of the mainstream final sets um, that the major companies have put out over the years. A few of the more limited sets have eluded me, though. Earlier this year, I was able to pick up a tough Chris Bosh Cracked Ice Auto from 2013 Black Friday. That was part of an estate lot that I picked up, and I'm still slowly piecing that out. It was chocked full of Houston Texans, and not the cool ones like Deshaun Watson. I'm talking guys like Matt Schaub and Owen Daniels. But um, there are a couple of other final sets from those kinds of products that I really haven't been able to get my hands on. Both of them involving the 2011 NBA Finals and both coming from the 2012 Father's Day set. Um, Just a little context on the 2011 finals before I talk about those cards. Um, This was the season that the Heat acquired LeBron and Chris Bosh. LeBron had the infamous decision special on TV. Uh, Then the Heat had a welcome party where they talked about not five, not six, not seven rings. They were very popular But at the same time, this was the infant stages of the super team era, and they kind of became the villains of the NBA. Um, The whole time, they were heavy favorites to win a title. Now, on the other side, you had the Mavericks, who were made up of a lot of veterans. You had Dirk, you had Jason Terry, you had Jason Kidd, you had Sean Marion, Peja Stoyakovich, um, Tyson Chandler, Brendan Haywood, Karan Butler, the list goes on, Um, Deshaun Stevenson, and so on and so on. So it was a lot of guys that you hoped would finally win a ring. And I remember I was rooting hard for the Mavericks. I like LeBron now, but I was definitely anti-LeBron then, and I would be for several more years. Um, These teams swapped their first few games, 
then Dirk was playing out of his mind, and the Mavs won three straight games to close out the series. So it was a great day for basketball. The cocky villains fell. The underdog won. It was just a great story overall. Dirk got his ring. Everyone lived happily ever after. Um, But like I said, there were really only two relic sets to commemorate this occasion. Um, I know there have been some preferred booklets since then, but none of those actually contained finals worn or finals used pieces. So the first set that I've been looking for only has one card. It's a Mavericks team card. It it pictures the championship banner, and it's got a a piece of a net used in the 2011 finals, and I can't find one of these anywhere. I wasn't hunting them right when the product came out, um, so I missed out on any that were initially listed, and I imagine there aren't a lot of them to begin with. Um, I figure the majority of them are coffin cards for Dallas collectors. So no luck on that set. Okay, I wish I could tell you I had one of those coming in the mail. I don't. But the other set contains pieces of game-used basketball from the 2011 Finals. And I've seen some of these sell in the past um, for prices that seemed expensive a couple years ago but would be an amazing bargain now. And then they all disappeared from eBay. And I found a Jason Terry but the owner wanted like 125 bucks for it. I didn't want to do that. A LeBron popped up on eBay for $1,000. In fact, it's still there. Um, that's too much. Well, and then about a month ago, a Dwayne Wade popped up on Com C, but they were asking 700 bucks for it. Well, that was also too much, but it was something I knew I'd be keeping an eye on just in case I made a crazy flip on the site Uh, And a sale happened, you know, just if the stars would align, maybe I could find my way into owning it. Well, that didn't last long because that card was transferred to an eBay auction. And I don't, you know, I don't have an exciting story to go with that other than I paid more than I wanted, but I was able to get it. Um, And I was able to move some stuff later in the week to make it work. So um, I've got that one. You can check it out on my social media it made a nice little addition to my finals PC, so I was really excited about that. All right, before I move into the final segment and tell you about another big addition to my PC, I want to take a moment to tell you a little about Fanatics. As you guys know, there are costs that go into running a podcast, so I signed up for the Fanatics affiliate program. I posted a nice sale um, on NBA themed mask on my Twitter earlier this week. I bought some all the way back in August. And I'm still using them. Uh, Also, keep in mind, we're getting close to Christmas. So whatever sports gear you're looking for, there's a good chance Fanatics has it. If you'd like to help support the show in this way, go to www.tinyurl.com slash WMPod and click the Fanatic logo at the top. Shop as planned and the Wax Museum podcast gets a small commission in the process. It's a win-win. Once again, that's www.tinyurl.com slash WMPod. This is Slick Leonard. You're listening to the Wax Museum Podcast. Boom, baby! Okay, so it's time to talk about another awesome mail day that I had this week. I really like the Dwayne Wade Finals, you know, game worn or game used basketball. Uh, but that's not the best mail day that I had this week. So let's talk about the best one. And I, I it was a lot. 
Okay, and I picked up some great lots this year, but this one ranks number one easily. So um, two Saturdays ago, I was surfing for lots on eBay. And this is something I do quite a bit. I enjoy the hunt. Um, It forces me to learn about sets and parallels I don't know much about. It forces me to learn some about other sports. Sometimes I find something. Most times I don't. But um, you know what? I like to just sit at the computer, put a podcast on in the background, and just cruise away because it's kind of a stress reliever for me. Well, um, on this particular Saturday, I literally looked through 10,000 listings. (laughs) And the reason why I know that, I have it set to 200 results per page and eBay gave me an error message after page 50. So I actually, there were a few other things I searched too. So I looked through more than 10,000 listings. And that doesn't mean I'm clicking every link and opening it. Um, Some links I've looked at before, there's a lot of stuff gets relisted and I usually remember it and can bypass it. But, um, you know, either way, I'm skimming over 10,000 listings. So eventually I, I come across one listing And it said something to the effect of cards, and then it listed all the big sports, and then also swimsuit. And when I say swimsuit, these were like early 90s retro model. They actually called them prospect cards, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, So that was all in the title. So the title didn't really give away much. You know, that would be hard to find on um, most searches. Um, But the picture showed a four-row monster box and then a two-row box that looked to be full of mostly unopened packs. And that got my attention. There weren't a lot of specifics. I figured most of it was junk. I figured most of it was retail. But I saw two 2007-2008 Topps Chrome basketball packs, and I had like laser vision on those two. They really caught my eye. So um, I couldn't really assume that there were any more. Because that's a, a dangerous way to go about buying lots. Don't always, you know, unless it's a small fee, like sometimes I'll buy a binder for 30 bucks just because, just to see what's inside of it. But on something like this, I'm not going to spend a lot of money thinking that there's 10 or 20 Chrome packs in there when I can't actually see them. So I saw the two packs. I figured they were worth about $60 a piece. Um, which would make it $120 total. So I offered something in that range of $120 shipped, expecting some sort of counter offer, and then I'd have some decisions to make from there. Um, so the whole time I'm waiting for this counter offer, I'm really antsy, um, waiting for it to come through, and it never did. Because later in the day, I got the notification that the seller had accepted my offer, no counter. Okay, so $120 shipped. Um, Now, during this time, I I was trying not to get too excited about the whole thing because number one, as I said last week, I've had like five canceled auctions in the last month. So, you know, that could very well happen again. And then number two, those two Chrome packs might be the only basketball in there. So um, nonetheless, the seller reached out and let me know they'd be shipping on Monday. We exchanged a few messages. It seemed legit. They actually did ship on Monday. They sent out a tracking number. So even though I was trying to keep my cool, I was pretty excited. Okay, I was trying not to tell a bunch of people, trying not to show a bunch of people. You don't want to do anything that could jeopardize your chance of getting this in, or you don't want to build something up to be something that it's not. So um, 
it ended up taking two big boxes, a, a large flat rate and a medium flat rate to ship all of these packs and they showed up on Wednesday. So that was quick. Okay, my plan was to record a video of me opening the box regardless of what was in it. So even if I was disappointed, I'm going to record it and I was going to show it. Okay, because I, I just feel like people need to see the wins and the losses. And then I was going to have a separate video of me opening the packs later. Well, the first video of me just opening the box, just to go through the packs, that was so long that I didn't even upload it. Because these two boxes were crammed full of between... 400 and 500 mid-2000s retail packs. Now, keep in mind, I got this for like $120 shipped. And just a rough count, there were like 260 NASCAR packs, 50 basketball packs, 20 football packs, 20 hockey packs, maybe 100 plus baseball packs, and then some of the swimsuit model packs. So, um, the real moment of truth, even though you know it's awesome to have a huge amount of packs, the real moment of truth for me would be when it came time to sort out the basketball packs. What all did I find in there? Well, here's what I had. Like I said, there was about 50. So there was one pack of 2005-2006 tops total, which was fitting. You guys just heard me talk about 2005 tops. I've opened a ton of that product. There's not a lot of value in it. So I didn't want a bunch of loose packs of that to open, but having one in there to kind of start things off seemed just right to me. Okay, after that, there was one rack pack of 2007-2008 Upper Deck, which obviously would give me a a shot at a cheap Durant rookie. Um, I really like opening 2007 stuff, though, not just because of Durant. Obviously, that's, that's a huge bonus, but when this stuff came out, I had switched to baseball, and I was opening... Um, tons of 2007 Tops baseball blasters. And I was opening 2007 Bowman Chrome baseball. Um, I had switched to baseball for a few years. So I, I didn't open any basketball during that time frame. So any 2007 I can get my hands on after the fact, um, I like that because I want to have that experience of opening all the different years. Um, and that was, you know, the I know the rookie class was rough. It wasn't good. Um, but I wanted to open some 2007 stuff. So there was that rack pack. There were then, um, it's, it's a good thing that I like 2007 because that's what we had from here on out. There were four regular packs of 2007 upper deck. There were eight packs of 2007 stadium club, six packs of 2007 Bowman draft picks and stars. And then finally, Whatever, what I was wanting to know, how many Topps Chrome Packs are in there? I saw two. There were 27. <laughs> That's right. 27 packs of 2007-2008 Topps Chrome Basketball, um, which I know I will, you know, I'll never, I don't anticipate ever getting my hands on 27 packs of Topps Chrome again. So, of course, I was freaking out. And um, that's when I started telling people. So I sent out a picture and people were asking, well, what are you going to do with them? For me, it wasn't even a question. They were getting ripped. And I know a lot of people had trouble wrapping their heads around that. Um, I valued the two loan packs as being worth about $60 each. Well, that means 27 of them would add up to over $1,600 worth of packs. And I probably shouldn't have told Mrs. Wax Museum that because she just shook her head. I think she knew they were getting ripped. 
Um, and, you know, maybe some of you are shaking your heads as well. And I get it. But, um, you know, here's why I chose to open them. Well, before that, let me say this. I don't feel like I have to justify myself, right? My mind was made up either way. Um, but maybe someday some of you will find yourself in a similar situation and you can have this experience to draw from. So here's here's my reasoning. Number one, at the start of 2020, I set a goal of adding to my iconic rookie card collection. For whatever reason, you know, I had the Topps uh, Durant, but I wanted the Chrome and I didn't have one. And I bought a couple of lots this year that I thought had a good chance of having one. Um but I hadn't got one to this point. So 27 packs with one rookie in each pack. I felt like that should give me a pretty good chance. Um, number two, well, I could have just sold the packs and bought a nice Durant for that money. Um, and, and trust me, I did think about that. There's an experience cost that comes with pulling one. Now, I wouldn't spend $1,600 of my own money on that. So I wouldn't say that this experience cost is a $1,600 experience cost. Uh, but keep in mind, you know, I had $120 invested in this. And I can't really just say I, I was holding $1,600 because it's not real money at the moment. And that's just advice for anything that you own that's worth something, right? Like I have a Wilt Chamberlain rookie, but it's not worth X amount of dollars until I actually sell it for that and go through the process of, of securing it, taking it somewhere, um, having a safe transaction, you know, going through that. It, you know, it's, it's the money's not in hand yet. So um, I, I really didn't view it as that way. And then number three, I ripped into him because I wanted to be able to share the opening with some of you guys um, on camera, right? I, I felt like it would make good content. I thought you guys might enjoy that. So um, that's what I did. Wednesday night, I jumped on Instagram. Um, I didn't give a lot of notice at all because I, I really couldn't wait. And about 50 people joined me and we had a good time. And early in the break, you know, I commented on how difficult it would be to po pull a Bowman Chrome Gold because I had like six of those packs. Well, in the next pack, I pulled a Ryan Gomes Gold. So right card, wrong player. Um... I didn't pull any Durants in the cheaper 2007 stuff. I think I pulled one Greg Oden, but I wasn't hitting the bigger players from that year like uh, Joachim Noah or Al Horford. Well, um, I started ripping the Chrome packs then. I pulled a couple of tough parallels. Um, I think I got two orange refractors and even a, a white refractor of Al Harrington numbered to 99, which I figure the odds on that for retail are pretty insane. Um, I pulled a Kobe base. I pulled a nice looking LeBron base. So, you know, I had a nice couple nice things along the way, but as each pack was opened and no Durants came out of them, I was starting to sweat a little bit. And, and I'm sure the people watching the break could sense it. And they said I, I was becoming the irritated breaker for the moment, but um, it was all in good fun. Now, the last pack rolled around and up to that point, there was no Durant to be found. So along the way, someone commented that they were feeling a Durant in the last pack. And, you know, I was hoping they were right. Um, I was sweating at the time and, um, you know, it would make for a good storybook ending. That's not really what I set out for. I'd rather just got one in the first pack and, and known it was there. But 
Um, so I ripped into the last pack. I slow rolled it to the rookie spot. And there he was <laughs> in pack number 27. Uh, and it was a really clean looking copy too. There it was. And uh, if I were to grade it, I'm pretty confident it would get a nine. So the chat went wild. They were excited. I was excited. Um, I'll also add that I was relieved and the whole experience was a lot of fun. Um, on top of that, three days later, I sold over 400 packs of baseball and NASCAR to a good friend for 200 bucks, which I know, you know, I left a lot of the fat on there for him. He's going to make some good money off of those. But hey, I nearly doubled my money. I didn't have to deal with them. You know, passed it on, did, did a friend a solid. Everyone, you know, was done right in the deal. Um, I had the Durant Chrome to show for it. So it was a win-win. All right, so there you have it. That's my story for the week. Um, you know, maybe some of you are, are driving to grandma's for Thanksgiving. Maybe you're driving to family members or maybe you're hosting Thanksgiving. Maybe you're listening to this at the house while you're getting ready. Um, I hope some of you were able to live vicariously through that experience. I'll try to get some pictures and video up on social media throughout the next week. Remember, you can find me on Instagram which is at Wax Museum Podcast, or my Twitter, which is at Wax Museum PC. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. Or shop through my Fanatics link and I'll get a small cut. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast. <laughs>